Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Friday. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week and is excited about going into the weekend. So on Fridays, we typically do an interview, but today is going to be a little bit different. Because there was so much that went on this week, I wanted to be able to cover it in a timely manner. And then on Monday, I'm going to have an interview with a woman by the name of Doreen Virtue. Guys, probably the most important interview I have ever done. We're talking about the new age, what the new age is. She was not only a proponent of the new age, she taught the new age. She was in the new age. She was in the depths of the new age and promulgated this stuff for years of her life, uh, had millions of followers because of what she taught in new age practices. And then she came to the Lord. And so she is going to shed light on all of the ways that the new age manifests itself today and why it is so dangerous. And it's going to surprise you. It's going to give you insight. It might even affect into just a little bit, but all in uh, all in love. She speaks the truth in love so well. I'm so excited for you to hear that interview. So uh, please tune in on Monday uh, in my conversation with Doreen. Now, today we're going to touch on a few things. So we're going to talk about President Trump being acquitted. We're going to touch on that and uh, Mitt Romney's vote. We will talk about the State of the Union just a little bit and Nancy Pelosi's reaction. We'll talk about the Iowa caucus and the results, at least that I have right now as I'm recording this on Thursday. And then we will talk about Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix that you guys have been asking me to talk about for a long time. We are going to uh, get into that. Before we talk about any of that, though, I do want to tell you guys about a new sponsor that I'm so excited about called Hydrant that makes sure that you are hydrated. So I have a goal in 2020. Wow, why did I have such a hard time saying that? I'm not sure. In 2020, I have a goal to drink more water and it has not been realized yet. It's February and I haven't done a very good job, but I know I'm dehydrated because I wake up every morning absolutely parched and it's not supposed to be that way, but I'm just lazy about drinking water. But Hydrant wants to fix that. 75% of us uh, are walking around every day chronically dehydrated and we don't have to be. We uh, have headaches because of this. We have energy slumps. We have poor focus, but it doesn't have to be this way. So Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets that you mix in directly to your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Uh, each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes that your body needs. So sodium, potassium, magnesium, zinc to help you hydrate quickly and to stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was actually developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There is no synthetic colors. Uh, there are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just one buck a packet for a 30 day supply. That's amazing. You can save even more with a monthly subscription and for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com in her promo code Allie at checkout that is drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code Allie for 25% off your first order drinkhydrant.com 25% off with promo code Allie that is A-L-L-I-E some of you still need to learn that not A-L-I not A-L-Y A-L-L-I-E okay let's get into today's episode so President Trump if you didn't know this 
He was impeached by the House and then it moved over to the Senate. And there was all this back and forth about this. We've talked about it. I had an interview with Andrew Clavin several weeks ago where we talked about impeachment. I did uh, at least part of an episode on, on impeachment a, a few weeks ago when this was happening. I talked to Marsha Blackburn last week about this. And so you can go listen to that episode last Friday to give us a sense of what's going on. I also recommended a podcast called Verdict with Ted Cruz. It's Michael Knowles. It's Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham was on there one time. And I think that that podcast, I don't always recommend other podcasts because I want you listening to relatable as much as possible. But uh, Verdict did a really good job and is doing a really good job of breaking down the impeachment process, why it even started in the first place, what's gone on, uh, what the Senate has tried to do, what's been the back and forth in this whole thing. So the Senate has voted to acquit President Trump. Now, what you're going to hear from people who support President Trump is that President Trump was exonerated. So when you're acquitted, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're exonerated. President Clinton was also acquitted. That doesn't mean that he was exonerated. So President Trump still could have done something wrong in his call with Ukraine, but he was acquitted of whatever he did. It just means that the Senate does not believe, at least the people who voted to acquit him, the senators who voted to acquit him do not believe that what he did in the call with Ukraine qualified as a high crime or misdemeanor that solicits impeachment. Now, the one rogue Republican senator who decided that he was going to vote to not just uh, to remove Trump from office. So I probably need to uh, explain that just a little bit. But OK, I'll get to that in a second. It was Mitt Romney. So he was Republican senator from Utah. He decided to vote to remove Trump from office. He's gotten a ton of backlash because of that obviously, because, uh, of course, most Republicans support Donald Trump and most Republicans in the Senate besides him have decided that Trump did not commit a crime that solicits a removal from office. Now, impeachment and removal from office are two different things. Someone asked me on Instagram, okay, was President Trump impeached or was he not impeached? So impeach doesn't actually mean that you are removed from office. Uh, it means there is going to be a somewhat of a trial in the Senate to see if what you did was worthy of removal from office. But they have decided the Senate has decided that no, what he did, even though he will be eternally impeached, he will always be an impeached president. He will not actually be removed from office, at least not right now. Now, uh, of course, the House is probably going to keep going and whatever strategy they have to if they can't remove Trump from office, they're going to do whatever they can to muddy his name. I don't know how it's possible for them to go to a greater length to uh, try to hurt President Trump. But I think that this is a political miscalculation. Obviously, the Russian collusion thing didn't work. Obviously, the impeachment thing didn't work. And his approval ratings are really good right now. Like the best they've ever been, which I just think is embarrassing for the Democrats that they have tried so hard. They have fought tooth and nail since the day after he got elected to say that this is an illegitimate president, that he was helped by the Russians, that he colluded with the Russians, that everything that he has done has been impeachable. I mean, they've been talking about impeachment for so long, so long before this Ukraine call, which is why it was so laughable that they actually considered this a solemn and sober 
and serious and sad and sorrowful thing like they've been saying that it is. They've been talking about impeachment uh, far longer than this impeachment process has been going on. So they've been looking for something. And whenever someone is looking for a reason to get you out of office, it kind of takes away their credibility just a little bit, don't you think? Don't you think? And so it's all just kind of been a political show. Now, again, we can look at the call uh, that President Trump had with the president of Ukraine and we could say, you know, we don't we don't like that. We don't like that. He asked them to investigate Joe Biden. But again, that doesn't necessarily that doesn't solicit removal from office. It doesn't solicit even impeachment. We know that this is just a partisan show. We can criticize him. We can criticize. We can say we don't like his foreign policy. We don't like the call. We think it was kind of smarmy. That's all fine. That still is not a justification for impeachment or removal from office. But Senator Mitt Romney thought differently, and he cited his own convictions. He said that he is accountable to God before he's accountable to this president or accountable to this political party. And I might be, I know that I am, kind of outside of the mainstream conservative thought on this, but I just don't really care. Like a lot of people are up in arms about this. Like his invitation to CPAC got revoked. There are people that are saying that he needs to be ousted from the Republican Party and that he needs to resign. I'm just not quite on that page. Like I disagree with him and I don't really buy his whole spiel that, okay, this has to do with his faith and his convictions because he's been very wishy-washy. Like, he was a pretty liberal Republican governor of Massachusetts, and then he switched some of his so-called convictions when he became a senator from Utah. He comes from a pretty impressive pedigree of politicians doing a similar thing to what he's done. He has flip-flopped on a lot. He has gone back and forth on abortion, on his thoughts on gay marriage, and so... It's a little bit difficult to take in his uh, the the spiel that he is giving right now, that this is about putting country over party. This is about putting faith over party. Again, maybe that's totally true. And whether it's true or not, like, I'm fine with it. I, I, I just don't really care. And I don't really understand the absolute anger and ire that people are feeling towards Mitt Romney right now. Again, I disagree with him. But okay, like President Trump was acquitted and it's fine. We can disagree with Mitt Romney all we want to. We can even say his character is questionable if people want to do that. That's fine. But the outright hatred and the animosity and the vitriol that people are showing towards him because he made a decision that I'm sure that he thought a lot about whether or not we think that Mitt Romney was right. Like, I'm sure he thought a lot about this and he knew that it wasn't going to be popular. I don't think that he's someone who is trying to appease liberals or trying to appease the liberal media. Like, he knows that that's a losing battle. But I, I, so I just don't understand the absolute anger towards him. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I just don't care. I don't care what Mitt Romney does. And I'm not going to proverbially like condemn him to hell just because he made a decision that I happen to disagree with and a lot of Republicans disagree with. It just seems petty. And again, like we can't always complain about the divisiveness in our country. We can't always complain about how oh, the left and the liberals, they will malign you personally, they will uh, launch ad hominem attacks if you do something that they disagree with. And then we do the same thing ourselves when someone that we disagree with uh, does something that we don't like. I know that was kind of repetitive, but you know what I'm saying. So 
I don't know. I just don't think I just don't think it's right. The the way that people are absolutely tearing him down. So that's what's happened with President Trump. That's what's happened with Mitt Romney. If you were wondering what the drama was and all of that, President Trump acquitted. People will say exonerated. It's the same thing with uh, the Russian collusion thing. Yes, President Trump wasn't actually convicted for any crime, but was he exonerated of all wrongdoing? Not necessarily. Those are two different things. So I think we have to be careful about that. Again, I think we speak factually. Now, Speaking of President Trump, uh, let's talk about the State of the Union address, which was extremely amazing. It was an amazing speech. It was probably the best speech of his presidential career. And there is a, a lot to applaud. If you haven't listened to it, if you didn't watch it, you should go on YouTube and you should watch it. I'm sure it's on C-SPAN and elsewhere. You can go watch and listen to the president's speech. It was really good because what he did was he focused on not his own administration's accomplishments only, but also the accomplishments of the American people. That unemployment is down. He uh, talked about the American heroes that we can recognize. A Tuskegee Airman who was 100 years old and looks amazing, by the way, was in the audience. Uh, a child who was born at, I think, 21 weeks or maybe 23 weeks gestation, so extremely premature. She was a toddler there pointing to uh, the sacredness of human life. There was uh, a person in the military who came home to surprise, greet his family, and we just all love that. It made for good television, but it also painted a very positive picture of the United States of America that we are not getting from any Democratic candidates. The shtick of the Democratic candidates right now is that America is fundamentally a bad and a racist and a bigoted and a corrupt and a depraved place. And we need to overhaul everything in order to make it even a, a livable place, which is just absolute insanity. That's mostly coming from people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. But when you listen to President Trump, you listen to someone say, hey, this is the great American comeback. I said that I was going to make America great again. And look how great America is. And this is best Donald Trump when he focuses on the goodness and the greatness of America and the American people and is not so obsessed with himself and so obsessed with either criticism or praise of himself. It's when Trump is so egotistical, which I think he very naturally is. It's when Trump gets into that realm that he's so unlikable to so many people when he has such thin skin, like when people say something bad about him and he can't help but punch back harder and punch down at them. That's when I think a lot of people, women especially, who I don't know, I just think that we're more sensitive towards that stuff. Like we see that kind of behavior on Twitter or on TV from President Trump and we just don't like it. But when the president is like this, when he's saying, look, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to make America better. I'm here to uh, do what I can along with, you know, along with Congress. He's not a monarch to um, to give you opportunities and to make your life as good as it can be or help you make your life as good as it can be. The government cannot make your life good, but it can give you opportunities uh, to do that. That's what we conservatives believe or it can allow you, it can, it, even less than that, it, it it allows the country to create opportunities which people can take or leave. So that is President Trump in his best when he's talking about the opportunities taken by the American people and showing the courage of Americans, showing the hard work of Americans. And he did a really good job in that. Now, he went into controversial territory, of course, because this is uh, what President Trump does. Now, 
the things that he talked about didn't used to be as controversial as they are today. So he talked about uh, illegal aliens is what he called them, or maybe criminal aliens. That might be how he referred to them and how it's important to secure our borders and the crimes that have been committed by uh, illegal aliens. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't like immigrants. That doesn't mean that we don't even like illegal immigrants. But that does mean that we think illegal immigration is bad for our country, that it's bad for our citizens. It's bad for the most vulnerable citizens. It doesn't help when we don't have a sovereign nation in which we can enact good laws that are good for our citizenry. Uh, And so he reiterated that. And of course, people are saying that's demagoguery, that's uh, white supremacist, whatever it is that people are saying. But the fact of the matter is, it was an excellent speech. He focused on you guys. He focused on us as Americans, and he did a good job. Now, when I post about this, like when I say, okay, President Trump did a great speech and there is no Democrat right now that is even close to President Trump, like If the election happened tomorrow, I think President Trump would win in a landslide. We've got a lot of time until November, and we know Democrats are going to try their darndest to beat him. Of course, Republicans would be doing the same thing. But as we've seen so far, they will try every underhanded trick in the book to make sure that he doesn't get reelected. But if the election were happening tomorrow, I think President Trump would win in a landslide. And I think uh, that he is doing a good job right now of conveying uh, a message and of embodying a persona that is attractive to a lot of people, even in the middle. Now, when I say things like that on my page, I get backlash, which might be funny to some of you who have been following me for a while and follow me exclusively for my politics. Like, you know, I'm conservative. You've heard me a million times talk about my true thoughts about President Trump, that I voted for him because I think he's the best option because I look to my left and I see so much craziness and I see a vision for the country that I don't want for myself, that I don't want for my children and grandchildren, that I don't want for you or your kids and grandchildren. And I say, okay, he's our alternative. Like he's our option right now. Yes, he's imperfect. And he says a lot of things and maybe even does some things that I don't really like and I don't agree with, but he is our imperfect conduit for policies that I think are good for the country. You guys have heard me talk about that a lot. And yet, Whenever I say a positive thing about Donald Trump, like I will either get a review on this podcast saying, oh my gosh, you're just bending over backwards to worship President Trump, or I'll get a comment or a message saying, oh, this is muddying your Christianity the way you worship Donald Trump. You're too pro-Trump. I can't, you know, I can't share this with my friends because you're so pro-Trump. I'm like, you guys are, uh, but it's it's fine. I, I was going to say you guys aren't even listening, but the, the fact of the matter is this comes with the territory of having a podcast or having a following on social media. You're going to have people that don't listen, that misunderstand you, that take one thing that you say and they don't listen to anything else you say. And that's fine. It's just a part of it. And I'm totally okay with pushback. As I've said many times, I completely understand and sympathize with the Christians who say, I just can't vote for Donald Trump. Like, I just can't get past the stuff he says. I just can't get past the stuff he does. I say, okay, that's fine. Like, yes, if you vote for Democrats, uh, we've got to talk about something. We've, we've got to talk about this. But if you're like, I just can't vote for President Trump. Okay. I can sympathize with that position. What I don't understand is people not understanding why I and other Christians would vote for Donald Trump. I don't understand how a Christian can't understand that. Like, I understand you as a Christian not liking Donald Trump. I don't understand how you can't understand why I and so many other Christians will vote for Donald Trump. There's a mischaracterization 
of Christians who vote for Donald Trump, uh, that we are, that we're worshiping him, that we think he's our political Messiah, that we pretend like he doesn't have any flaws, that we put him in the place of Jesus, that we think he's a perfect Christian, that he embodies all of the Christian values that we, uh, want a politician to embody. Like I do not pretend like president Trump is some perfect or even most of the time, like moral guy. I, I don't pretend that at all. I don't watch his rallies because I don't like his rallies i know a lot of people or i don't i don't dislike all of his rallies but there's a lot of things that he say that he says it's just not appealing to me it's not attractive to me and i'm not afraid of criticizing him i have no personal allegiance to donald trump and i don't mind critiquing him at all uh, but like i've said do i think that he is the alternative that we have to a left that undermines that directly contradict all of the things that have ever made America what it is, that have ever made America good, that have led to human flourishing. Yes. And so if he is the alternative to that, if he is the, like I've said, imperfect conduit of policies that I think are best for the country, then yes, I'm going to vote for him. And I don't understand what is so difficult to get about that. I understand your position and I would ask for a little bit of open-mindedness to understand why Christians vote for Trump and to not mischaracterize us as pretending like he's a perfect guy. Maybe there are certainly people who pretend like Trump is a perfect guy, like he's ever done anything wrong and that he is their pastor. I'm sure those people exist, but I don't know any Christians that are voting for Donald Trump who are like, yep, love every single facet of his personality, every choice he's ever made. Love it. Completely agree with him and honestly. Honestly, I think that he is, you know, I think that he is the best person who's ever existed. I don't know. I, I don't know any Christian voting for Donald Trump who thinks that way. That's a mischaracterization. And I think a lot of people who are so anti-Trump are on this high horse of believing that uh, not voting for Donald Trump is some form of righteousness that they have over other Christians. And it's just not true. It's just not true. So anyway, great speech. Nancy Pelosi did not think so. You guys have probably seen that she stood up after the State of the Union. First of all, she was difficult to watch the whole time because she was making these very subtle faces. Now, it's really difficult to know whether she's making faces or if she has just some sort of tick. And I'm not trying to be rude. Like, I just don't know sometimes what's going on with her expressions and what she's trying to convey with her face. But the whole time, you're just kind of like, trying to read her emotions. She's apparently following along on the speech and she is sometimes repeating the things that he is saying. You can tell she's pointing at people, telling them to cut it out. I mean, it's just funny. Like that in and of itself, Nancy Pelosi in and of herself was a show the entire time that Trump was speaking. Well, after the speech, which was an incredible speech, no matter which side of the aisle that you're on, President Trump said a lot of things that are good for uh, every kind of group in the country, no matter what gender you are, no matter what race you are. The Democrats sat down during all of these bipartisan victories or what should be bipartisan victories that are unequivocally good for the country. Democrats sat there like bullfrogs on a tree stump, just mad, mad, mad about the country's success, while Nancy Pelosi just put an exclamation mark on all the Democrats' frustration when she stood up after the speech and behind Trump's head where she's sitting and now standing next to Vice President Pence, she rips up the speech. I mean, I have never seen a more childish thing in my life. And some people are saying, oh, you're so offended by it. I'm not offended by it. I'm not offended by it. I would say that impeachment, uh, uh, 
a non uh, an unsubstantiated impeachment is a lot more offensive, is a lot worse than her ripping up the speech. But it was just childish. It was so silly. I could not believe she did that. I could not believe that she stood up and did that. Now, some people are saying, well, it's because or it's payback for President Trump snubbing her handshake before the speech. Maybe President Trump did snub her handshake. If he did, I wouldn't necessarily put that past him. I mean, the lady tried to impeach him for basically no reason like I've already said. So I wouldn't put him past him to do that. Did I think that it was the right thing to do if he did snub her handshake? No, but not entirely unexpected. But I don't honestly know if he saw her hand, like he didn't shake Vice President Pence's hand. And so I don't actually know that. She posted on her Instagram a picture of her extending her hand and him turning away from her and saying Democrats will never stop offering or extending the hand of friendship to get things done. That is the biggest joke. Like you've tried to impeach the guy. You ripped up his speech afterwards like did you post a picture of that I mean it's really just hilarious it just adds to the vitriol it adds the divisiveness of the country they're constantly complaining about how President Trump has taken us to new depths of impoliteness well I'm not so sure that Nancy Pelosi hasn't been just as much as responsible for the divisiveness in the country as anyone else uh, now before we get into the rest of that because I do have a couple other things to say I want to tell you guys about simply safe uh, every night local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms the vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm is real. Is there really a crime going on? Is there not? All the alarm company can tell them is the motion sensor went off. Well, Simply Safe home security is different. We use Simply Safe and we love it because it is simply and safe. So the name is very fitting. Uh, no, it is simple and safe. It's not simply and safe. It's simple and safe. So the name is perfect. If there is a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than normal for a burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. It's 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. It is only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Love that. Uh, visit simplysafe.com slash You will get free shipping. And a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash Allie. That is simplysafe.com slash Allie. So they know that our show sent you. So Nancy Pelosi didn't like the speech. And that is fine. Like that is totally expected because it was a really good speech. And it's no doubt that President Trump and his administration have done a really good job these past three years, have totally exceeded Republicans, conservatives' expectation. And he is the front runner, absolutely, for the presidential election right now. Democrats just don't have a good candidate. Like, they're even saying that on MSNBC. They don't have a good candidate. You've got Bernie Sanders that's too extreme. You've got Elizabeth Warren that's too extreme. And she's just trying to be like Bernie Sanders, but no one can be like Bernie Sanders for all of his many, many flaws and bad ideas. He has been consistent, consistently wrong, but he has been consistent and sincere for a long time. And people like that. That's not true for Elizabeth Warren. She's changed her mind many times. And I think she still even calls herself a capitalist. Well, the people that like her ideas don't like capitalism. So that's not really going to work for her. And then you've got Joe Biden, who just really can't 
string a sentence together. And I don't, I really don't like attacking people like that or saying things uh, like that about people. And I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to make fun of, of him. But that really truly is the problem with Joe Biden is that he is not able to articulate anything in a compelling way. And so he's not an attractive candidate. Like no one is excited uh, to vote for Joe Biden. The Iowa caucus, as of right now, as I am talking, Pete Buttigieg is ahead of Bernie Sanders just a little, little bit. A 96% reporting in the Iowa caucus, as we talked about on Wednesday, craziness surrounding the Iowa caucus. The results were supposed to come in on Monday night, and they're only now on Thursday, as I'm recording this, still coming in. Pete Buttigieg, like, ahead of Bernie Sanders, which is a shock to me. That is totally shocking. Now, Pete Buttigieg has done a lot of work in Iowa. He also, apparently, his campaign apparently gave money to the app that was running, that was uh, collecting the, the votes for the caucus. I'm kind of confused about that. And so some people are calling him mayor cheat, which I think is funny, maybe not fair, but is kind of clever. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm very surprised that Pete Buttigieg has done such a good job there. Uh, now that could tell us a couple things. Well, it could tell us nothing that he's just put in a lot of work in Iowa and that he's not going to go anywhere for the rest of the primary season, which I personally think is going to happen. But also he has poised himself as a little bit of a moderate. Now he's not actually moderate. He is just as extreme as the rest of them on abortion and other things like that. But he's said a couple things that are not quite as far left as someone like Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders believes that felons should be able to vote from prison, not just rehabilitate after prison and be able to vote then, uh, but should be able to vote from from prison. And Pete Buttigieg has said, oh, no, I don't agree with that. I don't think you should be able to vote from, from prison. He does believe in rehabilitating after and being able to gain back your right to vote. But he doesn't believe that felons should vote from prison. I know that's like a moderate view now. And he also uh, doesn't believe in Medicare for all. Like he believes in health care for all, but not Medicare for all. So whereas Bernie Sanders believes that we should uh, take away everyone's private health insurance, that you should not be able to get insurance through your employer, that you shouldn't have health care coverage of your choice. You shouldn't be able to choose the doctors that you want to choose. You shouldn't have the kind of quality health care that you can afford to have or that you want to have, but you have to be on single payer health care like everyone will be on Medicare. Uh, That is what Bernie Sanders wants to do, costing the country trillions and trillions of dollars. He doesn't even know how much it costs, but he just says, this is what we have to do. He wants to take away your health insurance. Pete Buttigieg just said, I don't want to take away your health insurance. I want to give you a public option if you want the public option. But if you want to keep your health insurance, you should be able to keep your health insurance. Now, healthcare for all, there are still problems with that. I did an entire podcast titled Healthcare. So if you're on Apple, you can just type in uh, Relatable Healthcare. It'll pop up. You can listen to that. You can probably just Google it too. Relatable Ali Beth Stuckey Healthcare. You can watch it on YouTube. uh, So you can know all the ins and outs of that. But could it be that people aren't looking for the extremism of Bernie Sanders and that there are a significant number of people that are looking for somewhat of a moderate in Pete Buttigieg? Now, again, he's not really moderate, but are people buying into that? That could tell us something. Or again, it could tell us nothing at all. And Pete Buttigieg could just go by the wayside and we could never really hear that much from his campaign again. He's obviously lost a lot in the past few days with the results coming out so slowly uh, because he doesn't get 
that uh, he doesn't get that momentous moment on the night of victory on Monday night to be able to give a victory speech and for people to take notice of him and for the media to really put a spotlight on him. So he's unfortunately for him lost a lot of momentum going into New Hampshire. That's where we're headed next, by the way. Okay, because we have already, uh, we're already basically at the 30 minute mark, I want to get into, I did want to talk about a couple other things. I want to talk about Mike Bloomberg, if he is a viable candidate, and just the crazy things that he believes specifically about China. I want to talk about the coronavirus. But because so many of you have asked me to talk about Taylor Swift and her documentary, Miss Americana, on Netflix, I want to at least touch on that. So I watched this for you guys. You are welcome. Hard work having to sit in front of the TV and watching a Netflix documentary. You guys really make me just bend over backwards for Relatable, obviously being sarcastic. So I watched it and it was good. Like it was a good documentary. I appreciate a documentary. My husband will tell you I can become like interested in anything, even if I'm not initially interested in it. So I'm not like the biggest Taylor Swift stand that you've ever met. I just haven't I'm just not like totally into her, but it was a very interesting documentary. I was sucked in. I've been sucked into hunting documentaries. Like I'll watch hunting shows. I watched a show about Conor McGregor the other day and I was like so fascinated by it. So I can really be fascinated by anything, but I thought this was a good documentary. Uh, I went to one of her shows in 2014 or 15. I don't remember why. I don't know if someone gave me these tickets, but I went with my husband or maybe I wanted to. I don't know. But the show was amazing. It was incredible. Like she is an incredible performer. Uh, I remember as a sophomore. So like I said, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift stan, but I was like all high schoolers were at at this time, at least in like 2008 to 2010, maybe even 2007, listening to Taylor Swift. And when I first got my driver's license, her, uh, her album Fearless was out and I listened to that all of the time. She's three years older than me. She was born in 1989. I was born in 92. And so our lives, the stages of our lives did overlap quite a bit. So I liked Taylor Swift's albums for the same reason that a lot of teenagers did. A lot of teenage girls did is that she related to us. Like she talked about our insecurities. She talked about our awkwardness. She talked about our crushes. She talked about our heartbreak or she sang about these things. And this was probably the first artist that a lot of us teenage girls around this time really felt like we could relate to. And she was just likable. But at the same time, people loved to hate Taylor Swift. And I think I was also one of those people who kind of just thought she was fake and that her whole persona was contrived, that someone was behind her and that her voice wasn't real. But when I watched this documentary and you go back and you look at where she started and how she started, what you see is that A, she actually does have a really good voice on her own. Like she doesn't need a whole lot of computerization in order to make her voice good. She has a good voice and she's a really good songwriter. Like she has been creative and clever in her songwriting from the beginning. And you also see, you just get this feeling when you're watching some of her first days that she was really born for this. Like she was 
made for this. She is extremely talented and she's just had that thing. Some people are talented, but they don't have the thing that it takes to make them famous and to give them a a big audience and a lot of followers and to propel them forward. And some people uh, are really hard workers, but they don't have that thing. Some people are talented and really hard workers, but they don't have that it factor. And some people aren't really that talented. They're not that hard of workers, but they do have that it factor and they still move forward at least to a degree. Well, she seems like she's a hard worker. She is talented and she just has that intangible thing that you can't learn, that you can't teach, that people are born with and that people watch her. Now you might be listening to or watching this and you're like, I don't like Taylor Swift at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it doesn't really matter whether you or I like her. The fact of the matter is, is that millions upon millions of people have loved Taylor Swift for over a decade now. And she has done a really good job of building a career. So I want to say all of that positive stuff about Taylor Swift. And I also want to give the caveat that I don't know Taylor. So I'm not pronouncing when I'm about to talk about some of the political things that she said. I'm not pronouncing any personal judgment upon her. I will assume the best in her and believe that she's sincere. Believe that she's a compassionate person that truly does care about other people and wants to have the right position in politics. I just think that she is miseducated. I won't even say uneducated, but miseducated on the subject of politics. And though she means well, uh, doesn't actually understand the ramifications of the policies that she is advocating for. Now, before I even say that, something that struck me before I started listening to some of the political things she was saying is that she comes across as very young, just very young, like younger than me. The way that she talked about having kids as this thing that she like can't even imagine or, you know, settling down and having a family. And again, she's three years older than me. So that would make her 30 years old, or I guess she'll be turning 31 years old this year if she was born in 89. And she just struck me as I don't like to say the word immature because it sounds like such a pejorative but she just seems young. She just comes across as like, I just think that if you're 30 or 31 years old and you're still talking about, oh, the responsibility of kids, that scares me. Okay, well, it might, it might be time to start, you know, catching up even if you don't have kids, but just mentally realizing, okay, you are an adult. It's time for other responsibilities and to care about people other than, other than just like your little small circle. And that's something that all of us go through. So that struck me at first that she seems to be in a younger stage of life than most people I know that are 30 and 31, which is kind of interesting because obviously she has a ton of responsibility and commitments in the things that she does as far as her career goes. But I've heard a lot of, you know, 25 to 35 year old people talk and she came across as just in a much younger stage of life than me and all of the people that I know that are in her same age group. So when she started talking about some politics, like she started talking about the fact it, this was, I guess this was filmed in 2018. So it was during the midterm elections. She was talking about she has to stand up and finally say something because uh, Marsha Blackburn is running for Senate. And she called R- Marsha Blackburn, who I had on the show last Friday, 
Again, I encourage you to go listen to that if you're curious who Marsha Blackburn is. Uh, She said that she was a racist homophobe. She made some claims about her that she voted against the Violence Against Women Act, which just protects women from stalking. And she related that back to herself. Uh, She also said that um, she believes that Marsha Blackburn believes that a gay couple or a couple that even looks gay should be able to be kicked out of a restaurant. And really the whole documentary seemed to have have these undertones of uh, women are being victimized and Taylor Swift is one of those women. I'm not saying she hasn't been victimized. There were there was um, a part about the sexual assault trial, which I am very glad she won. There was um, a part about, you know, her being stalked and someone breaking into her home and sleeping in her bed, which is very scary. And we should have compassion for her and anyone who is a victim for that. I am all for listening to and showing uh, sympathy and compassion towards victims and listening to women's stories. Absolutely. But the underlying, the undertones were certainly that uh, women are being victimized. And now is the time, the remedy to that, now is the time to stand up and basically be a liberal and voice your liberal politics. And that is what Taylor Swift did because she believes that Marsha Blackburn, in her words, is a racist homophobe. And uh, so I want to clarify some, some of these things that she said against Marsha Blackburn. So one of the things that she said was that she voted against the reauthorization of violence against women act. And I want to clarify that using an article from the Washington examiner by Madeline Fry. When Blackburn voted against the reauthorization of the violence against women act in 2013, she was in the house of representatives. So this is an aside by Allie. She's in the Senate. Now this was in the house of representatives in 2013. Uh, She voted for the house Republican version, but against the Senate version, uh, which she said had been diluted. Uh, She, She said this on MSNBC, when you start to make this about other things, it becomes an against violence act and not a targeted focused act that is there to address the issue of violence against women. Uh, Despite Blackburn's disapproval, the bill passed. For context, this article in the Washington Examiner says the Violence Against Women Act was first passed in 1994, but it must be renewed every few years to ensure federal funds uh, continue to help women who have been victims of domestic abuse and other forms of violence. Each year, the act is modified with provisions to which members of the GOP object. Last year, the House passed a bill closing the boyfriend loophole but also included language that would entitle transgender women to share shelters with biological women. The Senate has not yet voted on that bill. So there are these provisions that Democrats mostly have added in that a lot of Republicans, and a lot of conservatives don't agree with now. Uh, and this is one of them, at least now that transgender women, so biological males uh, to are their Democrats are pushing for them to be able to share shelters with biological women. So again, we see, which we've talked about a million times, that there are no safe spaces for biological women anymore, not sports, not even abuse shelters. Uh, Biological men now have a right to those spaces, which endangers biological women. Why? Because men and women aren't the same. There are fundamental biological differences between us. Women are weaker than men. Again, this endangers women. This is where feminism, this is where leftism uh, has brought us. So 
This is what Taylor Swift is talking about. There are provisions that Marsha Blackburn disagreed with. She doesn't disagree uh, with she doesn't disagree with protecting women against violence. She doesn't disagree with protecting women against stalking. Of course, she agrees with those things. She didn't agree with the provisions that were put on this particular bill in 2013. And she thought that whatever provisions those were actually endangered women and made them more vulnerable. That is the kind of nuance that Taylor Swift uh, is not going to probably even read or know because my guess is that she probably has a bunch of liberal resources that she is referring to when she is looking for these things because as I've said many times the default as a young person in America is to be a liberal and if you are listening to the mainstream anything if you're listening to the mainstream media if you're on social media if you're watching Netflix all of it is bent towards the left. And so that's where your worldview, uh, that's how your worldview is going to be shaped. And so you just assume that there's no other side of the story. There's no other part to this. There couldn't possibly be nuance. There couldn't possibly be facts that you don't know. It must be that Marsha Blackburn just hates women. She also said that Marsha Blackburn wants to take us back to the 1950s with women, whatever that means. Uh, She doesn't actually cite any any evidence of that. And the same thing with her saying that Marsha Blackburn believes that gay people should be able to be kicked out of restaurants. I have not been able to find any proof whatsoever that Marsha Blackburn believes that. Now, you can tell me if you have seen where Marsha Blackburn said that or why Taylor Swift would accuse her of something like this. uh, You can let me know. She also called her a racist. Again, citing no facts whatsoever. But this is the thing with the social justice left. If you ask them, hey, like, what do you mean by that? Could you clarify that? Could you give me some specifics on that? Could you point me to a resource on that? Like, where did you find that evidence? Well, they just get flustered. They get very mad. And the fact that you've even questioned them, the fact that you've even asked for clarity means that you are on the wrong side of history. Taylor Swift said that she wants to be on the right side of history, which is just silly. She said, you know, I'm from Tennessee. I'm a Christian. Marsha Blackburn doesn't represent Tennessee Christian uh, Christian values, which I had no idea that Taylor Swift identifies as a Christian. I would love for Taylor Swift to come on this podcast. We can talk theology. We can talk about what the Bible says. Uh, we can talk about a biblical view of government. She doesn't have to agree with me on everything, but if she identifies as a Christian and we can find a common ground as sisters in Christ, then I am willing to talk to her about any of this stuff. One of the things she said, or she agreed with someone else saying that the GOP is attacking her intelligence because they don't actually want to debate her ideas because they don't believe women are worth debating. That is so laughable. Like, The GOP, the Republicans, conservatives, we are obsessed with debates. We are obsessed with the debates. We constantly ask people to debate us. Debate me. Debate me. Like, we want everyone to debate us. Do you know how many conservatives have asked Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? I almost forgot her name because I call her AOC. Do you know how many conservatives have begged her to come on their shows and debate them? I would love Taylor Swift to come on my show and to have a very respectful dialogue about if she is identifying as a Christian, again, I don't, I don't know her personally. So, you know, I'll, I'll take her word on that. Uh, we can talk about what the Bible says about politics, what the Bible says about marriage, for example. She talked a lot about gay pride uh, in this documentary. We can talk about that. She did a, an entire music video for a, a song called You Need to Calm Down. Basically saying that all of the people that believe in traditional marriage, all of the people that believe in the orthodox definition of marriage, which has been the definition of marriage 
for millennia, by the way, that we all need to calm down. Well, we're not the ones making a music video uh, about our ideology. That was the most condescending, the most patronizing, the most hateful music video that I've ever seen. All of the things that she's accusing Christians of for abiding by the Bible, for abiding by the Bible's definition of marriage. We apparently need to calm down. You're telling Orthodox Christianity to calm down. You're telling God that he just needs to calm down about the institution that he created in the Bible and that we need to all just be metropolitan and sophisticated like you. And she's the one that pretends to be the loving one who is on the right side of history. And if you watch that video, you need to calm down. Uh, she portrays everyone who disagrees with the liberal, the worldly definition of marriage as, oh, it can be between, you know, any gender that you might happen to identify as that day, uh, that she believes that we are all toothless hicks, that we are all gross, that we are all backwards and backwoods, and that we smell bad, and that we're stupid, that no one with any intellect, no one with any uh, ability for critical thought could possibly be against homosexuality, could possibly be against gay marriage. There are no thoughtful Christians, apparently, according to Taylor Swift, that abide by the word of God and believe in the word of God and believe that God created marriage for a purpose, both physic both physically and spiritually. That's what Taylor Swift thinks about Christians who believe in the Bible. And this documentary portrayed her as this, which she's always done this, and I think this documentary did this well, portrayed her as a hurt animal that is being victimized, that she's never on the attack. Well, you did. You attacked Christians. You attacked conservatives. You attacked people who disagree with you in this documentary and specifically in your music video. So if you are offended by people who have unfairly mischaracterized you, which I do think people have unfairly mischaracterized Taylor Swift, that whole Kanye West thing was very sad and I felt very badly for her and all of that. If you are offended by how people have maligned you, how people have talked badly about you, do you really expect us to feel bad for you when you make a video making fun of people like me, calling me a, a backwards, backwoods, toothless hick because I believe that the Bible is the word of God and as such is the authority on all morality, including marriage? Like, do you, do you really expect us to have sympathy when you're doing the same thing to us now? I do have sympathy for you, even if you don't have any sympathy for me. I do have compassion for you, even if you don't have any compassion for me. I do have understanding for you, even if you don't understand me at all. And I would invite Taylor Swift to a dialogue. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but so those are all of my thoughts on Miss Americana. I can't disprove all of the claims that she made about Marsha Blackburn because I haven't been able to find any evidence whatsoever for them. So, but this is typical. Like, it's just very easy to uh, say, well, duh, she is a sexist, racist, bigot, homophobe because she's a Republican and people just nod their heads without even thinking critically about it. Because again, all of our mainstream sources of information characterize us this way. And that's okay. That's fine. I like, I don't, I don't need, I don't need the proper characterization of the mainstream media. Like, I don't, certainly we don't need their approval as Christians. We know that uh, Jesus has sent us out as sheep among wolves, and that's how it's going to be. But I would just encourage Taylor Swift, like if she is sensitive to being attacked, which I understand, maybe you should be more sensitive about uh, the other people that you are yourself attacking. So anyway, those are all of my thoughts on that. And that concludes today's episode. Again, I highly encourage you to tune in on Monday. I'm so excited about it. Uh, listen wherever you get your podcasts. Watch on YouTube. 
If you haven't subscribed to the Allie Beth Stuckey YouTube channel, uh, please do that. We are uh, trying to uh, build that platform and, uh, you know, platforms for Relatable have been growing so well during the three years that it's been around, almost three years that it's been around. Has it been three years? No, two years, two years. It's been a long time, uh, two years that it's been around, but we would really like to grow it on YouTube as well. Uh, give Relatable a five-star review on iTunes if you so please. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you back here on Monday.